Thanks for tuning in to the Newborn Promise Podcast, a production of Graham Blanchard Incorporated. You are listening to an interview with Rachel Jankovic called Soul Care for the Parent. For today's show notes, transcript, and more information about our recently released book, Your Newborn Promise Project, please visit GrahamBlanchard.com. Welcome back to the Newborn Promise Podcast. My name is Audra Haney, and last week we had a fun and incredibly encouraging interview with Rachel Jankovic about loving the little years, which is actually the title of Rachel's book for young moms in the trenches. Rachel is the mom of seven children, ranging from preteen to two years old. Today, we wanted to share the rest of our call with Rachel as she shares some of her refreshing Christ-centered perspectives on what true devotionals do and do not look like with kids, and how to avoid the temptation of comparison in both our physical and our spiritual lives. Rachel also has great advice for moms when it comes to true self-care. We hope her advice spurs you on to find a deeper walk with God and find true joy in Christ, even if the way it looks has changed a bit after kids. Here is the second part of Rachel's interview. Rachel, we had a great discussion last week about keeping the right attitudes and perspectives, and we so enjoyed hearing from you on that. Let's talk a little bit about our time with the Lord and spiritual self-care when you're in such a busy season of life. I'm sure that has changed some for you over the years with seven kids. What are some things that have worked for you in order to stay nourished spiritually? I've been through many, many phases of this. So I I want to be I always want to be careful to say that 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 what's working for me now or what's been working for me for the last couple of years is, is actually, um, it is fair to say it's what's working for me after many years of, of all kinds of struggling through it. Do you know what I mean? Like all kinds of different efforts and things. Um, I say, you know, eating the word of God is, it is food for us. It is not, it's like you don't make it through the early parenting phases by not ever eating yourself. You know, you have to eat. But it is also true that you might be eating the crust off of someone else's PBJ over the sink. Like, you may <laughs> not have sat down all day. You know what I mean? You might be having that kind of a life with your actual food. Um, so for these reasons, I, like, really recommend, well, the first thing is obviously just keep pursuing God. Don't don't stop, like, <laughs> don't quit trying to find ways to do this. Uh, and don't be surprised at all of the, all of um, the things that come up that make it hard, like it will be hard. Like I remember one time when I actually had to break through some kind of a, it's like the unspoken, like things you're assuming that you never look straight at. And, and that was thinking that the house needed to be calm for my spirit to be calm enough <laughs> to sit down and read the word. But what I needed to do was have that peace with God without the house all being calm. Like I, if I was trying to frantically get the whole house ready to be calm enough for me to sit down and read my Bible, it's like, I don't know what I was thinking. It's like, it's like, you know, trying to not need it before you get it. <laughs> like, like I, I needed the peace of God's word in the middle of people running through the living room and dress ups and, you know, like lots of chaos. So 
that was, there was one time that I really had to focus on that, you know, like one phase of life that was like, I just have to be good with this. I have to be able to uh, read God's word. I really recommend new parents make a practice of uh, learning and singing psalms. Like if your church does not sing psalms, then learn some, you know, find them somewhere else if you don't already know them. Um, but it's a wonderful way to really let the word of God dwell in you richly in in the middle of life. Like um, you can turn on psalms, you can listen to the word, you can sing them, you can reflect on God's word um, when you're in the car with your kids, when you're, you know, you can do that in all kinds of places. That's not you just sitting down and having a quiet moment. And let's talk a little bit about comparison, because I think comparison is really something that can sneak in and steal so much of our joy as new parents, but it can be an easy trap to fall into at this stage of life. Why do you think that's so? Uh, It's probably just because it's a common phase of life to be floundering. Like it's new to, it's new to you, you know, it's a totally new thing. And as I think any parent will say, um, nothing really can prepare you for that. You know what I mean? It's like, there's just that moment where all of a sudden you realize all those things everyone was saying, why they said it. Mm -hmm. Do you mean like you find yourself wanting to say about your labor? Like, no, it's like a totally other kind of pain. Like you've never experienced. And it's like, yeah, there's a lot of things that you can hear the truth about, but not until you yourself are doing it. Do you understand what people were talking about? You know what I mean? Like, then you're like, Oh, that's what you mean. You know, this is what this is about. Uh, so my guess is that it's a new, like for the first time, if you're brand new parents, um, it's like none of us know what we're doing. You know what I mean? Like here's the mom is mom for the first time, dad's dad for the first time, and the baby has no clue what they're up to. So it's three of you that don't know what you're doing. You know what I mean? And later on, this is why I feel like it's usually, at least with the second baby, real basic things are way less of a question because at least two of you know what it is to be parents. You know what I mean? Like at least some of us know what we're doing. So it's not the same um, level of, you know what I mean? Just like, just so like, Oh no, what are we doing here? So my guess is that a lot of the temptation comes in, in the context of a perfectly healthy moment where you're like, Oh wow, I have to look around and see how to do this. You know what I mean? Like, like, I don't know. I'm in a new role how do we do this? Like, I've got to figure it out. And I think it just comes from um, not separating like, oh, that's someone I admire. Like, this is the way I would like to be. And how do I do the work to grow in that direction? But instead just, you know, switching it into envy, Mm. saying, how can I, I wish I was them already, or I wish I was, um, you know, didn't have this trouble or that trouble. So my guess is it's just a perfectly healthy impulse that is easily tempted if that makes sense (laughs) and comparison can even sneak into our spiritual lives where we start to compare what we perceive our spiritual life to be like uh, to the spiritual walk of others who may even be in a different season of life why is this kind of spiritual comparison dangerous too yes well well i would say a couple things one is you have to understand that you're, it will look different than it would for someone who was not responsible for as much. You know, like, it will not be the same thing. It's like, it's like we have different roles in the body um, at this time. So it is, it's never helpful to fall into comparisons or 
um, to be imagining what you think someone else's spiritual life must be like based on their Instagram post or, you know, whatever it is, like that's never going to be helpful. And it's not going to be like um, guilt or envy will never drive greater closeness to God. Like it's like both of those are sinful. So, you you know, like that's never going to drive it. So don't pursue it in that way. Don't think like what we want to be pursuing is pursuing God, not pursuing something we think other people have. It's him, not that, not those, you know, what appears to be an idyllic moment on a deck somewhere that someone's having. (laughs) You're like, how can you have your feet up and your toes pedicured? How did this happen? (laughs) That's so true. And how would you recommend if someone finds themselves falling into this comparison a lot, what's some advice that you would have for them? Well, obviously, ultimately, the remedy is is Christ. It's it's a sin. You know what I mean? It's a sin to be consumed with envy. So just confess it. You know, like, just be done with it. As soon as it comes on your radar, so, so just be merciless. Like, don't be the kind of woman who, if you look on Instagram and see something, you then start mentally taking a long time to explore the envy that you're experiencing. Like, as soon as you know it, put it to death. You know, just say, no, like, this is not profitable. This is not healthy. This is not wise. Like, there's just nothing here for me. Um, and I think that that is, I think that that is the thing. It's just having too much tolerance for how long you should be stumbling with something, you know, and the more you aggressively deal with sins like that, that you recognize the sins, the less you have any desire to fall into it in the first place. You just, it just keeps moving the border away. Like I don't ever want to spend days consumed with envy. Like I don't want to spend, you know, and it works its way back to where you're like, I don't even want it to take longer than 30 seconds. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, we can keep this from being a lifestyle at all. I think it was, wasn't it Spurgeon who said, you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from nesting in your hair. <laughs> Absolutely. It's That's like, like, don't stop, drop, and be like, wait, I experienced some envy. Let's really explore this. Like, your job as a Christian is to get it out of your hair. I think you just have to be aware of the fact, if you're particularly tempted by something, um, just try to be becoming more and more aggressively fighting it, not allowing it like, oh, this is just a state of things. And Rachel, as you're talking, I just can't help but think of the scriptures that come to mind, like Second Corinthians ten fifteen, that we should take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And there's also uh, Philippians 4, 7 through 8, which is we should think on things that are excellent and praiseworthy and lovely and admirable. And I think that can go for anything that we're struggling with. Uh, Maybe it's not comparison, but it's worry or anxious thoughts and the list can go on and on. And uh, I just love that we can take all of that captive and into the obedience of Christ. And I think that can really change our day as parents, right? One thing that I think mothers of little kids can be especially bad at this, uh, and that is, I don't know why, though, I guess it's just a situation of life, uh, is just thinking like, so you had a really bad morning. It's just acting like now the day is ruined. Do you know what I mean? Like, this is a terrible day. It's all bad. Things are terrible. Um, Instead of just recognizing that you can get out of sin, as quickly as you got into it. You know what I mean? Like if you lose your cool 
Yeah, it's like if you lose it with your kids, confess it right now. Don't say like, oh, shoot, now we're just having a bad day. And sometime tonight at bedtime, I'll probably go around and say sorry to people. Or I'll wait until I have time to really reflect on this. As soon as you know you were sinning, be done with it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's so true. And I just love that we're going back to the Bible and God's word to really be our plumb line in our thinking and Speaking of that, a recent buzzword that's going around for parents is just the word self-care. And you talk about this some in your book, and you really emphasize that parents should be examining the self-care advice they're receiving. Why are you so passionate about that? Sure. I guess I guess I would say that at the heart of it, it is that I do believe that God is our creator, like that he knows us better than we could ever know ourselves, right? So... So whenever there is something like self-care, make sure, you know what I mean? When people are giving you counsel that is really just worldly advice, um, if it does not, if it does not hold up in the light of God's word, then it is not actually good for us. If the most important thing for young mothers was to care for yourself all the time, you know what I mean? Like think in terms of how do I take care of myself? How do I, how do I get some time for need to just think about myself. That's actually quite counter biblical speaking. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not just a, um, and I, obviously you have to be careful because someone's saying like, you know, take some time to take a shower in the morning. That's like, yes, like, but that's part of your basic duties towards loving those around you is taking care of yourself it's not selfless to refuse to eat or refuse to shower. That becomes a burden on all the people around you. So I guess the thing I'm most passionate about is just women actually evaluating the kind of advice that they're given in light of the word. And ultimately, I think it just comes down to where we can find true joy, right? It's not maybe wrong to go shopping or go get a pedicure, but Essentially, you're talking about moms and dads examining where their true hope is found, right? Like, I have no, no concern with women looking for time away from the baby or having, you know, like, there's there's a lot of healthy ways to do that. But so much of the advice is based on the premise that uh, you couldn't be joyful if you were just at home with an infant. If If your situation is such that you cannot go to the spa, or do all of these things for self-care, then you have no hope of joy. And that's just a lie. It's like the pursuit of obedience, the pursuit of Christ. We have these overwhelming moments of joy and gratitude that just come along beside us. And so much, I think, of the world's advice is all trying to help us find those moments that will make us happy. You know, like how can, how can we try to generate a moment of joy their only ideas are to go do something for yourself, to go indulge yourself. But the reality is it's almost always just a counterfeit. You know, it's almost always just a like placeholder for the very real joy that we have when we are obeying Christ. It's a very, very joyful life to be in fellowship with Christ. You don't need a situation so much as you just need the Savior. Rachel, thank you so much for your powerful and Christ-centered advice over the last couple of weeks. Would you mind just closing out our time together, praying for these new parents and blessing them on their parenting journey? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for all of your promises to us, for all of um, the ways that you've revealed yourself to us. 
Uh, we thank you for your word and how clear you are about uh, our obedience to you and what that will bring to us. I pray for all of these parents uh, who are coming into parenting or uh, in the midst of it. I pray that you will bless them richly, that you'll bless them with wisdom, with kindness, with uh, patience and endurance. And I pray, Lord, that uh, most of all, you will bless them with your presence, that you will bless them with um, growing in grace and godliness, and that you will bless their children uh, through that work that you are doing in them. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for today's interview. You can find out more about Rachel and her book. Also find today's show notes and transcript, as well as get 20% off our new book, Your Newborn Promise Project for Couples and Groups with code NPPODCAST. Just visit GrahamBlanchard.com.